Once again, good morning. Glad to be with you all. I am filling in for Pastor Roger. And so we are continuing our Names of God um, sermon series. How appropriate for our last song um, to be singing about his name. And so if you've been with us, um, you've noticed that we're only a couple weeks in, right? But there's so much that we've tried to unpack. So I'm going to very quickly try to catch everyone back up if you haven't been with us for a little bit. And so Pastor Roger kicked off the sermon series with Jehovah Jireh. And what Jehovah Jireh means is our God provides. And we looked at the story of Isaac and Abraham, him going up on the mountain. He was willing to sacrifice his one and only son, and God provided the ram, right? He gave the sacrifice and how this was supposed to be a picture of what is to come. Pastor Bob went week number two with Jehovah Yiren Yishi, okay? Hard to say, but I'll just give you the translation, the horn of my salvation, right? And what an incredible thing that is, his name, the only one to save. Week number three was Josh with Jehovah Makedadesh, the Lord sanctifies. The Lord is holy, holy, holy. And we talked about how he's set apart, he's high above, worthy to be praised. And then Roger last week was Emmanuel, God with us. And so all of these statements are true, and you might be asking, okay, why are we going through the names of God? Why are we spending so much time? Because each name reveals one aspect of who God is. And we want to personally know him, and we believe, right, as Psalms 46, 10 says, be still and know that I am God. And so God personally wants to be in relationship with each and every one of us. Um, Roger's verse that he kicked off the series with is Psalms chapter 8, verse 9. Listen to what Psalms 8, verse verse 9 says. It says, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth, right? And so this morning we're talking about Jehovah Magen. And you're going, okay, I don't know what that means. Well, I try to always have a picture or a symbol, right? Anybody got a guess on what I'm talking about this morning? All right, you guys speak uh, Hebrew then, right? So Jehovah Magen, the Lord is our shield, all right, and so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. One more verse in Psalms before we get started that I just want to set the stage. Look at what Psalms 18, 49 says. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations and sing to your name. And so that's what we gathered here this morning to do. That's what you're supposed to do all throughout the week. We don't just sing when we gather together. We praise his holy name for who he is. And so, as I was thinking about Jehovah Magen, shield, right? I was like, okay, I need some type of illustration. So, here's my shield. I had Miss Robin help me out. If you need anything in this church, Miss Robin's the one to go to. But as you can see, this is not a shield intended for battle, right? I'm having to hold the shield with my two hands. There's no strap. There's nothing. If you look carefully, there is even a spot for it to hang on the wall. That tells you all you need to know about this shield. But think about this too. All you need to know about most of our culture. We don't carry shields around with us every day because it's not a part of our life. Now for our military men out there, having a shield, having protection, they understand what it means. Because without a good defense, 
Without a good shield, their lives are in danger. So we miss a lot of the culture, the original story that we're going to read this morning. But I think that we're smart. I think that we can dig into God's Word and we can pick up on it. So we're jumping back into the book of Genesis. And it's early on in the Scriptures because, catch this, God wants to reveal Himself to us. He wants His people to know who He is. But before we jump into our story, I want to make sure that I've done a good job of defining it. So the Hebrew word magin figuratively means protector. So the Lord is our shield. The Lord is our protector. Here are the three English words that are closest to the word shield in the original Hebrew. Defend, cover, and surround. And so when you think of a shield, you definitely think of the word defend. You probably think of the word like you take cover, but that last one kind of surprised me, right? Surround. A shield is something that protects us because it surrounds us. When you go a little bit deeper, the actual Hebrew word literally means, any guesses? I I didn't know this, the scaly hide of a crocodile, right? So we don't deal with crocodiles here in Missouri, thank goodness, right? But when you think of an alligator, you kind of think of the ferocious teeth and the bite, right? But what protects this great ferocious beast, if you will? It's hard, scaly, armor-like side. It is its defense. It what gives it protection. And so there's so many different types of shields, and they've evolved over time. They've gotten better, we think. So I'm really quickly just going to give you a few pictures to get your imaginations going, right? This is maybe possibly what some of you guys would imagine, a wooden shield, maybe with something metal in the middle. I also thought of kind of like during the crusade times, right? They have them like this, the crosses on them. During the Roman Empire, this would be a traditional Roman shield. They were a little more boxy, kind of rectangly. If you do your research, they would lock them together, right? And they would have battalions of troops. Some would be in the front, some would be in the sides, some in the back, some over the top. These were, if you will, the first mobile tanks. The men were going. They were shielded as rocks, arrows, everything hit. One more picture for you. Shield to defend, to cover, surround. So do you have the image that I'm going for yet? Hopefully you do. But as I said, in the book of Genesis, um, chapter 15, verse 1, here is the introduction to Jehovah Magen. I am your shield. Look what it says. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Catch that. He's not Abraham yet. Just Abram. Name has not been changed. In a vision, what does he say to him? Fear not, Abraham. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Now, as I read that, there's two different things that I want to point out to you. Number one, God is making an incredible promise to Abraham. What is that promise? I am your shield. But catch the second one. He's telling him to not do something. What does he say? Fear not. And so those are the two things that I'm, as I'm reading this, I'm like, okay, I get it. I am your shield. But why is the fear not there? Well, Scripture always gives us the answers. It gives us the clues, right? And 
chapter 15, verse 1, it said, after these things. What things, you might be asking? Well, in Genesis chapter 14, and I, I suggest when you get home today, read this. I'm going to quickly go over it, but go back and read the details of this story. It'll help fill you in and give you more context. So in Genesis chapter 14, there is a battle raging. There is two different groups. We have a coalition of four kings, a group of four, and a group of five. One of the groups has been serving underneath the other. They've been oppressed. They said, no more. We're going to rise up. We're going to go to battle. Where's Abraham in this story, you might be asking? Which side is he on? Neither one. And you're going, well, then why are you bringing this up, Brett? Because here in a second, you're going to see. Abraham is wisely watching from the sidelines. Not every fight is your fight. Abraham had to learn how to stay out of some things. Catch this, though. In verse 12, this is where Abraham, all of a sudden, he is now interested in what's going on. They also, these groups, when they conquered and they rose up, they got land, they got possession, they got spoils. They took off people, they took off animals. Verse 12, they also took Lot, the son of Abram's brother, who was dwelling in Sodom and all his possessions, and they went their way. So why is Abraham all of a sudden interested in what's going on? Because family's involved. The nephew has been captured. He is now a prisoner of war. The four kings have beat the five. They're living large, and they're taking back their possessions, their spoil. Notice what happens next. Then one who had escaped came and told Abraham the Hebrew, who was living by the oaks of Mamre, the brother of blah, 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 right? Your cousin, your kinsman, has been taken away. Now, catch this. Abraham didn't find out immediately. No text. No Facebook. This took time. Someone escaped, told him the message, but immediately he goes into action. Abram now, it says, gathers 318 men of his household who were trained. That's a pretty impressive household, right? 318 trained men of war go out, but pause for a second. Who are they going up against? The four kings who just defeated the five kings. You doing the math? They're probably outnumbered. They're probably outmanned and outgunned. But Abraham's saying, this is what I need to do. Abraham is not just the watcher on the sidelines. He's a warrior. And he's gathering up his men to go to battle. So what does he do? He's smart. He doesn't just attack this enemy head on out in the open plains. Verse 14 and 15 says, He divided his forces against them by night. He and his servants and defeated them and pursued them. And he brought back all the possessions and brought back his kinsmen Lot with all his possessions and the women and the people. So his secret night mission goes well. They probably didn't attack the army. It was a quick get in, get out, rescue operation. And they're heading back home. Everybody's excited. Lot's dancing for joy. All his possessions. And they get back and they take this big sigh of relief. And they're like, whew, we did it. But I want you to stop and think for a second. Abraham just had hand-to-hand combat. We don't understand that. I've never had hand-to-hand combat, but I bet you he's exhausted. I bet you he probably even has some scrapes, some cuts. I guarantee you they didn't walk out with people getting wounded. And as they're going back, here's the thought that I think maybe is going through their heads. What happens 
when those four kings decide to come back at us. These men just conquered five other kingdoms, and here I am, a man of 318 trained men in my house, and these enemy nations don't serve the Lord, they're wicked, and they'll probably want revenge. What happens now? Yeah, we forget these things because we just read quickly through the story of like, all's well, Lot's back. He has no fortress. He has no walls. How is he going to defend his family? Because more than likely, they're coming for him. So now, does the beginning of chapter 15 make a little more sense? As he's sitting here after these things, incredible passage that I don't even have time to talk about, is as he's coming back, he's met by two kings, king of Sodom and then king of Salem. Read that passage tonight. Melchizedek, worship. Abraham worships what we think to be a pre-incarnate Christ right there. He pays tight him, but he rejects the world. But we don't have time this morning, right? After these things, the Lord gives him two things. Fear not, and the promise of what? I will be your shield. Now, he's not giving him a magical shield. He's not even, even as you think about it this morning, not saying, I'm going to give you a hedge of protection about you. What is he saying, ladies and gentlemen? I am giving you myself. I will be your shield. I will be your protector. I will be the one who covers you. Here's the Brett translation of what the Lord is speaking to Abram in this moment. You are safe with me. I know that you have thoughts of the enemy coming towards you. You are trained for battle, but you don't have to worry about this one. Because I will be your shield. The Lord offers himself to us. And I want to pause for a second this morning, because I think sometimes we forget what that really means when the Lord God Almighty says, I will be your shield. So listen to this. He is the all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful God that has personally said, I will be your shield. Whoa. Wow, right? So I'm breaking it into three big churchy words, right? But I'm going to make them make sense for all of us. Omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. The Lord sees and knows everything. Any foe, any weapon, anything that might come Abraham's way, the Lord is going to see. Anything that might come our way, the Lord sees it. He's omnipresent. His presence is everywhere. God is above us. God is below us. As the writer Psalmist says, he surrounds us. He is everywhere. So he's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. His power, the words that literally spoke the world into motion is saying, I will be your shield. I am here for you. No one is greater. And I think this is just my imagination, but I see Abraham in this moment. He's exhausted, he's worn out, and I just see him kind of set down his shield, his earthly shield. And he's like, you know what? I think I'm good. Like, you've done me well, but God is now saying he will provide for me? I'm covered. 
And we have all these truths. Catch this. Abraham doesn't have the scriptures that we get to read. He doesn't know of all of these promises, yet he trusts. His faith is in him, and it is counted to him as righteousness. So listen to this. Can we imagine a better shield or a better defender than our God? Can we really think of anything that's better than him? No. So what shield are you holding on to right now instead of God? What's the thing that you go to for protection? Let me tell you, I want you to boldly and confidently walk out of here this morning and go, the Lord is my shield. He is my protector. And I know that I'm introducing you to this this morning in Genesis chapter 15. It's not just for Abraham. It's for you and I. And David picks up on this. So turn over to Psalms chapter 18. And I want you guys to look at these verses. This is the verse where I'm going to end up with. So look what it says. This God, the God that we serve, Jehovah, Yahweh, his personal name, his way is perfect. I want us to say that this morning. His way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. Here's my term for us this morning. He is our magan, our shield for all those who take refuge in him. And the reason why I want to tie in our verses from Psalms this morning is because I hope that you're fired up. I hope that you're excited hearing about God is my protection. He's my shield. I am. There's nothing that God can't do and keep out of my harm's way. But hear this. As we think through this statement this morning, then someone might be asking, well, as a believer, then why in the world does anything bad ever happen? If God is going to shield us and keep everything away from us, then like, how how do those two things coexist? That's what I want to share with us this morning. I want to prepare you for the hardships, the trials, the tests that come. And you, you walk away saying, the Lord's not just a cute little shield that I have. He's my everything. I trust in him. So look at David in Psalms 18, 1 to 2. And I don't have a slide, so you're going to have to either listen or follow along for all these verses, okay? I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord, and here in just a second, he's going to go through seven different things, seven metaphors of what God is to him. And one of them is my shield reference. Lord, you're my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, in whom I take refuge, my shield. Here's Bob's. You're the horn of my salvation. You are my stronghold. And you might be saying like, David's covering a lot of ground here with giving praise to God, right? He is. Why is he bragging on God so much? Well, the, sometimes at the beginning of a psalm, it gives you a description. And I encourage you to read these. It tells you why he's saying this. Notice what it says. David, the servant of the Lord, who addressed the words of this song to the Lord. Hey, I, David, wrote the song. I'm writing it to the Lord. Why? On the day when the Lord rescued him from the hand of all his enemies, from the hand of Saul. Anybody know the history of David and Saul? Yeah, he chased. Saul was hunting after David for almost 10 years, trying to kill him, trying to eliminate him. And David here in this moment has just escaped Saul's hand for who knows how many time, and he stops. 
he looks up into heaven, and this is his song of praise. Lord, my rock, my redeemer, my shield, my horn of my salvation. Like, this is his praise being lifted up. Like, he is grateful, and he goes, Lord, you protected me. If it wasn't for you, Saul's going to kill me at this point. You want to know something even cooler? As I read and I dug a little bit deeper into this psalm, like God's word is so good. Just keep going and the more it gives you. These same words, Psalms 18, can be found in 2 Samuel chapter 22. If you don't trust me, look it up. 2 Samuel chapter 22, and here's what commentators speculate. David composed the psalm as a young man, right, when he's being hunted by Saul. But the reason why it comes back up again in 2 Samuel chapter 22 is David is now an older man in life. This is toward the end. And he is now singing these words, looking back at God's protection. You ever had a moment where God did something for you? And in that moment, you're like, "Woo!" And then you kind of forget about it? Well, later on in life, things slow down a little bit. You maybe have time and God brings it back to your attention. That's where David is here. And he's singing that same song, and I believe it's just as much passion, but it hits a little different. Because now he's not singing of just one instance, but I imagine David saying, this is all the days of my life you have provided. You have been my shelter. You have been the one who I have run to. Look at verse 3. I call upon the Lord. Who does David call when he's in trouble? The Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. I was taught this verse as a little kid in children's church. And probably some of you can hear that tune right now. I will call upon, like, it is stuck in my head. But here's the beautiful part. That truth needs to be stuck in our minds. Who is worthy to be praised? So shall I be saved from my enemies. You guys hear it? I will call upon. And it just goes in. And I was like, that's this verse. Here it is. I found it. Like, no one told me the reference when I was singing this as a kid. I'm sure they did. I just didn't listen. But these truths are good. He covers us. He protects us. He shields us. But catch this. I don't want to leave out four through six. Because, once again, we could walk out of here walking high going, Woo, we're ready, we're fired up. But there's some hardships in life. Look at David's distress. And he's calling, he's dialing 911, if you will, because an emergency has come up. The cords of death encompass me. Anybody use those words this morning? The torrents of destruction assail me. Wow. Wow. The cords of Sheol entangle me, and the snares of death confronted me. Like, here's what I hear David saying. I feel trapped. I feel snared. I feel like someone has bound me up. Like, I'm in a rough spot. So who do I call out to for protection? The Lord. Verse 6. In my distress, I called upon the Lord to my God, and I cried for help. And from his temple, he heard my voice. And my cry to him reached his ears. Like when we struggle, when we cry out, the Lord hears. It reaches his ears. We're not, think about this for a second, we're not in that mode normally where we want to like, okay, I need help. Why not? Cry out to him. 
Let him know what's really going on in your life. And this is the part that I want to be super clear about. And I really struggled with trying to, how do I illustrate this truth? Of the Lord is our protection, he's our provider, and if we're under him, then nothing gets us. But yet then you read the story of Job, right? And if you know the story of Job, like Satan and God are having a conversation, and that's kind of weird to think about, right? But he's saying, look at my servant Job, right? And I'm flipping there to just read it a little bit. Job was upright, he was blameless, he was one who feared God and turned away from evil. And God's like, hey, look at my man Job. And Satan's like, it's only because you have not put a hedge around him. And all his house and on every side, like, God, I know you're protecting him. You're his shield, there it is again. You're covering him. But if you remove that protection, he'll curse you. He won't follow your ways. And Remember, this is not perfect, but I see a layer of God's protection saying, okay, I'll remove a little bit. Go ahead. And boom, Satan hits him hard, does he not? He's hit hard. He loses his kids. Some of them die. Some of his possessions are taken away, and we're like, how would God allow that? Well, Satan and God are having another conversation up in heaven, and God's like, look at the faithfulness. My servant has been tested, and yet he still brings glory to me. Satan goes, let me hit him with round two. We just took his stuff, but if I hit him, that's when it gets personal, right? Stuff comes and goes, but let me afflict him. And he gets hit again. And notice all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. He still held fast to his integrity, although you incited against me to destroy him. What an incredible testimony, right? Satan stretches out his hand. The Lord allows that layer of protection to be pulled back. And I'm like, how do I communicate that? Well, here's my best try. How many of you guys have ever been driving your car down the road and you're following a dump truck? Anybody been there before? You know you shouldn't be very close to them, but there you are, Right? Maybe they have gravel in them, maybe they don't, and you're like, all right, now's my opportunity. Straight stretch, you floor it, and you're getting ready, and then they hit a bump, rock goes, doot, 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 smash. Been there? Yeah. Rock hits the windshield, you hear it, your gut goes instantly what? Ugh. How much is this going to cost? What's my deductible? Am I covered? Like, ugh, frustration. Let me rephrase this for us. We need to be saying, thank you, windshield. Thank you for that protection so that rock didn't drill me in the face. Hit someone I love. And that is the best way that I can paint this. The Lord is our shield. He protects us. But when life throws things at us, we're going to feel it sometimes. We're going to see it. Because we live in a fallen world. There is sin all around us. And let me tell you, we as believers can be impacted by it. Because as we live life, there's sometimes that we, catch this, drift away from our shield, our protector. Notice what these verses are saying. When we run to him, when we find refuge in him, Psalms chapter 91 verse 4 says we are under his wings and we take refuge in him in him. I hope this is being clearly communicated this morning. 
because I think there's so many of us that want to say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, but you know what? I'm going to take him when I need him. Shield, 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 protection. Okay, now I'm done. That's not how it works as a believer. We don't get to just say, okay, God, protect me, but we need to be with him. We need to spend time with him. The writer of John so beautifully says this in John chapter 15. I, Jesus, am the vine. You are the branches. And if you want to bear any fruit, if you want to see anything done, you've got to remain in me. You've got to stay in me. That word means dwell, camp, if you will. So when we want God's protection, ladies and gentlemen, where do we need to stay to have it? With him. It needs to be this personal relationship of we run to him and we stay with him. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5. Listen to what this says. It almost sounded exactly like Psalms 18.30. Every word of God proves true. We can trust his perfect ways. When that rock hits the windshield and we're so upset because God allowed something to hit, we need to completely flip our thinking. The Lord protected me from the full blunt of it. What a great God I serve. He is a shield for those who take refuge in him. Proverbs 2.7 says this, He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. And I know this is probably a hard statement, but I need to say it this morning. If you're walking in sin, you're out of his protection. For those who walk in integrity, Job, blameless, right. Think about that. The Lord wants us to be near to him. That's when he covers us. That's when he shields us. And he's not legalistic about it. He wants to cover his children. Right? What an incredible God that we serve. And as followers of Christ, I guarantee you, if you stay with him, you will walk in his ways. You will feel the protection, but there will be tests. So I did the word search of shield. Um, I've got a cool little program. You type in the word, hit enter. 55 times when searching the ESV, the word shield comes up. Okay, if you do different translations, you get different numbers, right? 54 times Old Testament. That really made me scratch my head. It's like only one time in the New Testament is the word shield referenced? Where's that found? I want to know what verse that is. Ephesians chapter 6. Anybody know what happens in Ephesians chapter 6? We are taught to put on the armor of God. And when we get down, okay, some of you guys know, helmet of salvation, sword, belt, sandals, shield. Look at this verse. In all circumstances, pause, what circumstance? All. Oh. So when things are going good, when things are going great, or when things are going terrible. And if you live enough life, I guarantee you, you're going to be in all of those situations. Circumstances change just like that. We need to be prepared. We are engaged not in a physical battle, but a spiritual battle. I've never been in a physical battle. I don't know what that means, but I can tell you what it means to be in a spiritual battle. And the writer here is trying to prepare the, the Ephesian church 
for this battle. And he says, take up the shield of faith. Now, I read this a little bit different because I just read the passage in Genesis that says, I am your shield. So I always kind of imagined, right? I'm thinking about faith. Now, guess how I picture this? This is me personally, that I'm taking up the Lord with me each and every day. And he is the one, not just little shield for the fiery darts that are coming, he encompasses all around me. He sees what's coming before I ever will. And I will now trust in his promises because I know that he will shield me. He is my savior, my redeemer, my rock. Like this is the God that we are talking about when we are introduced to him. In Genesis chapter 15, and Abraham says, he says to Abraham, I am your shield. There's so many more verses that I could reference this morning, but I want you to really pause in a second. Who are you running to when things get hard? Ask yourself that question this morning. Who am I running to when things get hard? Who is the one that I seek refuge in? And I want to encourage you guys this morning. Run to the Father. Run to our Savior who has promised to not only provide, but to protect us. And just for a moment, go back to Abraham. Worn out, exhausted, fearful. I am your shield. Did all of those doubts get removed in that moment? No. Do you still think he had moments and thoughts of fear? Yes. But this was the truth that God wanted to reveal to him. This is the truth that he wants to reveal to us. I will protect you. I care about you. And as I studied this week, um, I had all kinds of different stories, and I was trying to really narrow it down, um, and I want to close on a story that I think is very powerful. Um, This is from the Washington Post. It was written February the 2nd of 2016. Okay, so it's it's a little bit dated. The event actually happened back in 2012, Um, but it takes time for these stories to kind of leak out. So, Senior Chief Special Warfare Operator, and that's a title, right? Edward Byers, a Navy SEAL and member of the unit's Elite SEAL Team 6. All right, so I don't know much about military operations. This is one of those teams where they send in these guys when no one else wants to go, right? So, there was a doctor by the name of Dr. Dilip Joseph who was kidnapped um, and was being held hostage in Afghanistan. Turmoil then, turmoil now. But what happened is they were sending in um, Edward Byers' team. They were supposed to go in and rescue this guy. So it was supposed to be a night raid. They're supposed to go in and get him out as quickly and as efficiently as possible. Now, once again, I have no idea what really went down, but this is the scene that I imagine, right? They're all standing there at the door. They all know, they do their signals This person knows to break the door. This person goes right. This person goes left. Whatever, right? Here's what is said of our guy, Edward Byers. As soon as, right, imagining, he runs in and lays on top of the guy while the rest of the SEAL team goes after the captors. So remember, this is my picture. 
I see the door busting open. I see the guys going across the room, boom, 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 boom. And this guy just makes a sprint straight for that guy. He sees him, jumps on him as I imagine it, and there covers him on the floor. Listen to what Joseph says as they're interviewing him. I was so taken aback by how dedicated this guy was and how willing he was to risk his life for a total stranger. This guy is receiving the Medal of Honor. And that story, man, it should inspire you, right? This is my duty. This is my job. I'm being sent in, and I will protect this guy, this hostage, at all costs. Well, let me tell you, nothing against this man, and I, I want to honor him this morning, but I've got an even better story. It's Jesus. Because if you really stop and think about it, we're not just held hostage, but we are sentenced to death because of our sin. We deserve to be killed because we have rebelled against our God. The God who says, I will shield you. I will protect you. We have sinned against him. The God who says, I will provide. The God who said, I will come and be with you. We don't want any part of him. And yet he sent his son, if you will, and he just wrapped his arms around us. He covers us with his shed blood on the cross so that we might be saved, so that we might have life. Are you guys seeing this incredible picture this morning? That is the God that we get to serve. We get to sing praise and worship to. The God that we get to proclaim is our shield. And man, I am just blown away even as I live my life. And man, I, I get paid to study God's word. That is awesome. But yet how quickly I can forget what the Lord has done for me. How many times, if you will, the rock comes, hits my windshield, and I'm complaining. And I'm like, God, don't you care about me? He cares. He loves you. And he is protecting you from more than we can ever see. And I just want to remind us this morning that we need to be a people of praise. That verse that I, I closed with in Ephesians, right? That we may be able to withstand those fiery darts. And I think of like the New Testament word for shield there was that Roman big red shield. And as I was doing some research on those, those are designed, like I said earlier, to be linked together. As believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, guess what we are supposed to do each and every day? We're supposed to join arms. We're supposed to link together. He's the shield, but we're doing life together because the enemy wants you by yourself. One person with the shield, it can only cover so much ground. But when everyone is working in unison together, when we've got each other's fronts and backs and tops and sides, that is an efficient group of warriors. And God is sending us out into this battle. We're a part of his kingdom. Like, there's verses that talk about the gates of hell shall not prevail. We need to be on the offense saying, we are spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. We're not angrily doing it, but we're doing it with love. We have truth, the sword of truth. We get to present the helmet of salvation to them.
So I want you guys to bow your heads for just a moment this morning. I want you to think through what I believe God laid on my heart this morning about him being your protection, him being your shield. And there may be some of you in the room right now who feel like you are just getting hit hard, one thing after another. And maybe in that moment you've even said like, where's the protection, God? Are you running to him? Is he the one that you're clinging to? Or have you run to someone else? And follow that up with, Lord, let me praise you for all that you've done in my life. Thank you.